It is great to be with all of our community expressions. And to get us started, I want you to do this. Take out your phone, all right? Now, I know in a lot of places they tell you, silence your phones and put them away. But what I want you to do is go ahead and take out your phone. Everybody do that. All right, you got it? Got your phone? Okay, I want you to vote by actually kind of raising your phone as I ask you a few questions. Here we go. How many would say, um, I love my phone? Raise your phone. I love my phone. Okay. How many would say, nope, I hate my phone. I hate my phone. All right, let's give a third choice. How many of you would say, I both love and hate my phone? I'm that me? That's me. I love it and I hate it. And, and I love it because it gives me accessibility to the whole wide world. But I also hate it because it makes the whole wide world accessible to me. I'll tell you what, I want to try an accessibility experiment. In fact, uh, let's make a game of it, and we're going to give away a prize, all right, a prize. Um, I've already told your local pastor, be prepared for this, so they're coming to the front right now. So um, I'll tell you, get ready. Here is my accessibility experiment. And we're going to start by, um, all of you already got your phone out, so go ahead and turn on your ringers. Turn your ringers on, and then turn your phone to loud. Turn your ringer on and turn your phone to loud. You got it? Okay, once you've done that, now I want you to look around the room and I want you to call somebody else in the room that you know. And there's going to be a prize for the first, first person whose phone rings and they stand up. Ready? Go. First person whose phone rings and they stand up, they get a prize. Good luck. So today, we are accessible 24-7. And it's all Marty Cooper's fault. <laughs> Who's Marty Cooper? Well, Marty Cooper was born and raised right here in Chicago. He went to college at the Illinois Institute of Technology, graduated with a degree in engineering. He took a job not far from here at Motorola as an engineer. And it was Marty Cooper who asked the question that made all of us accessible 24-7. He asked, why is it that when we want to call and talk to a person, we have to call a place. Marty asked the question in an era where every phone was tethered to a wall in our home by a short, squiggly cord. Marty figured out to call a person and not just call a place, and that led to the invention of the Dynatech 8000X, the first cell phone, also known as the brick. Anybody remember that? Marty's concept continued to develop until eventually we had the flip phone. How many of you remember those? How many of you had one of those flip phones? Oh man, I loved my Razor flip phone. I mean, when I got one of those, I mean, I felt like I was like Captain Kirk on the Star Trek, you know, the Enterprise. And then of course today, well, today we have this, this magnificent wonder of technology. And while we love this thing, we also hate this thing because we're now more accessible than any people in the history of mankind. In fact, research tells us that we check our phones 352 times a day. That means we check our phones on average every two minutes and 43 seconds. Is anyone surprised? 
I'm not. I mean, not really. I mean, think of, we check them at work. We check them at home. We check them in the bathroom. Come on, admit it. You know you check Instagram and you're watching TikTok while you're in the bathroom. And, and, and here's what I'm seeing more of. Guys checking their phones while at the urinals. There are too many punchlines. Um, something about multitasking. But I'm, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. But I'll tell you what, it makes me never, ever want to borrow another guy's phone. <laughs> uh, here, here's where we're headed with the big idea. You are accessible. I am accessible. We're all accessible. But here's the question. Are you available? Are you available? Because being accessible and being available are two different things. Let me say that again. Being accessible and being available are two different things. For example, we're going to go back a little ways. It was during Hurricane Harvey in Houston. One lady was stuck in her garage with her husband, two dogs, and a disabled uncle. She called 911, who said they were going to send someone to help. 30 minutes passed. No one came. One hour passed. No one showed up. Meanwhile, the water's rising. It's now ankle deep. They, they have no higher place to go with their disabled uncle. Two hours pass. The water's now knee deep. Three hours pass. The water's now up to their waist, still no emergency help. 911 was accessible, but no one was available. Thankfully, she called ABC News and they were able to send someone to rescue them. And I make that point because here's the deal. There's a big difference between being accessible and being available. And what I wonder, I wonder if we aren't becoming a people that are accessible to everyone, but not really available to anyone. In 1985, the average person had three people, three people they would call confidence. These were three people with whom they would confide, confide kind of the most important and most difficult parts of their life. Three people in 85. Today, the average person only has two. Now, that might not mean much to you, but social scientists, they see this as a cosmic relational shift in such a short amount of time. In fact, that study also revealed that 25% of people admitted they have no one, no one who they consider as a confidant a close friend to whom they can turn in times of struggle or celebration. I mean, and kind of do the math. That's one person in four. I mean, one, two, three, you got nobody, sorry. You know, one, two, three, four, there, the fourth one, sorry, you got no one in your life. And the problem is not technology or social media. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of people blaming stuff on technology and social media. Technology and social media are just tools Yes, they're tools that make us more accessible. Absolutely. But the problem is not really the tool. The problem's me. Because while I'm more accessible, I'm often not available. And that's why we're starting this very, very important new series called Next Level. This is a series that's all about taking our relationships and our friendships to the next level. I mean, to a brand new and a better place. This desire for meaningful friendships is a universal longing of each and every human heart. In fact, it's, it's, it's more than a longing. It's like a primal need. Author and researcher Brene Brown, she reminds us when she writes this, we are hardwired to connect with others, 
It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. And without it, there's suffering. God designed us for friendships. As a community of Christ follower, he intends for us to be connected to one another. The Apostle Paul describes it this way. He says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, we're meant to be joined together so that we can grow together. But next level friendships don't just happen. They require intentionality. Notice what Paul says there. He says, as each part does its work, there's work for us to do. So during this series, we're going to look at intentional practices that grow next level friendships. And I want to encourage you, take in every part of this series. Because during this series, we're going to discover how to take our relationships from accessibility to availability, and then from availability to authenticity, and then finally from authenticity to accountability. But today, I want to start by considering availability. How do we move from accessibility to availability? There's a story in Mark chapter 2 that can give us some great insights. It's a story of four friends who had a buddy that needed help. And it reads like this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and, after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I want us to take a look at how The Chosen depicts this scene from Mark 2. During the month of July, I binge-watched all three seasons and all 24 episodes of The Chosen. I, I, I wanted to get to know Jesus better, and it helped. I highly recommend it. So here's Mark 2 from The Chosen. Jesus of Nazareth, I saw what you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leopard. That's a rope! Put it back, man! If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. Authority do you teach? 
answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. Imagine Jesus looking up at the four friends on the roof, quietly smiling. Verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Their faith. However, not everyone is thrilled with what is happening. Some of the religious leaders start to grumble about whether or not Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And sensing their displeasure, Jesus asks, Well, which is easier? to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. The man stood up and walked out of the house on his own two legs. A brand new person, his life completely changed. But don't forget this. He was forever changed because of the faith of his friends. His friends were determined to get him to Jesus. Now, ask yourself, am I available? Am I available to be that kind of a friend? What can we learn about moving from accessibility to availability from this story? Well, first, I think next level friends are available to carry each other's mats. Next Level Friends embrace the awkward parts of each other's lives. 
In this story, the man's mat represents his brokenness. Often in our brokenness, that's what pushes us away from one another. We're afraid to let people get too close. After all, they'll see our flaws, they'll see our shortcomings, they'll see our mat. Ask yourself right now, are you available for the kind of friendships that lets other persons close enough to see the tough stuff in your life? And at the same time, also ask, whose mat are you carrying? The paralyzed man's friends could have thought, you know, if we all get too close to that, we'll have to carry it. And some of us do that. We keep a distance from people who are not like us or people people who their lives appear a little too messy. We all, all of us have mats in our life. Someone else's miracle could be on the other side of your willingness to pick up their mat. Isn't it interesting that we don't know any of the friends' names in the story? Yet I'm sure the man couldn't tell his story without naming each of them, all four of them. Do me a favor, just think about your own story. And here's a question. Whose name or names do you have to mention when you tell your story? Or another question. Who can't tell their story without mentioning your name? In the story, we also see that next level friends are available to do the hard work. They carried him through the streets. They scaled the side of the house. They dug a big hole in the roof. They lowered their friend into the house. Sometimes we think that the best friendships are the easiest friendships. But is that really true? To build next level friendships, we have to sacrifice time. We have to sacrifice energy. And here's a question for you. Are we available to do the hard work that takes our relationships to a deeper level? See, next level friends, they carry the mat, they do the hard work, but lastly, they bring us closer to Jesus. And ultimately, that's what the four friends did. They brought their friends to Jesus. Andy Stanley, who's a brilliant author and teacher, reminds us of something that is so, so, so true. He says this, your friends determine the quality and direction of your life. I mean, just kind of marinate on that. Your friends determine the quality and direction of your life. And at Community, our mission is to help people find their way back to God. And the way we primarily do it is through friendships. We, We have something to offer each other. And we each have something to gain. And whether you've been on this journey for 30 days or 30 years, you need next-level friendships to help bring you closer to Jesus. And that's why we're continually encouraging everyone to get connected in a small group. And when I say a small group, maybe you're thinking right now, ah, I'm just too busy. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know enough about the Bible, do I? Or I tried a group once and it doesn't work for me. And I'm telling you, whatever your reason, welcome. Okay, welcome to a community of people who have at one time thought many or all the same things. But here's the deal, if we're ever gonna take our friendships to the next level, we have to make ourselves available. So here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna wrap up with a two-part challenge for each and every one of you. And I'm gonna ask your local teaching pastor to come up and offer that challenge specifically to you. And my hope is that each and every one of you say yes to both these challenges and take your friendships to the next level. As we go to close this time, I just want to dwell for one more moment in the scripture passage. Actually, I lost the Bible that I was going to read from. Thank you. 
Um, as we dwell on the scripture passage, I want to give you a chance to just reflect. It was really powerful to see it there on the screen, wasn't it? It's powerful to just sit in this image and to ask this morning as you're coming in here, which, which person are you in this story? Where are you at when it comes to the sort of vivid picture of friends who care enough to lower their friend so that this friend could be closer to Jesus? Um, I have been pondering this week just my own friendships, been thinking back. Uh, I moved to Chicago when I was 18, so I've been out here in the city for the most part for over 14 years now. Um, and over the last 14 years, there have been some moments where I have been the paralyzed friend. Uh, there have been a couple major crises I have experienced here in Chicago. And as, as Dave was inviting us to recollect, at every one of those crises, the only way I made it through were friends who had enough faith to come close to me and then to lower me to Jesus. But I've also seen over the last 14 years, as I have walked with friends, there have been a number of friends who have also experienced their own crises, right? They have found moments where it has, you know, friendship with them started great, it was fun, adventure, laughter, and then this friend entered a season where they were paralyzed. They were quite literally stuck, um, and they needed me to have the faith to lower them closer to Jesus. But I do think there are actually two more characters in this story. Uh, there are the crowds, right? The people who are just listening and watching. That may also be you this morning. Uh, maybe you're in a new season. Uh, maybe you're here. Maybe you're just trying to get connected. You're trying to figure out what the city holds for you. And as you're here, you're kind of watching and wondering, like, can you imagine being in that room as the roof is being ripped off? And as you see both the hurt and pain of the person paralyzed and the commitment of these friends, maybe that stirs something in you. Like, I want to be part of a friendship. I want to be part of a community like that. And then finally, there are the teachers, the Pharisees, whose distrust and disdain is in fact trying to prevent the radical nature of what Jesus is trying to offer to these friends, to this paralyzed person, the healing that Jesus wants to give. So if I walk through those four, paralyzed, friends, crowd, Pharisees, I want to invite you to just uh, calm yourself for a second. We don't always do this in church. Give you a chance to just pray ask the Holy Spirit to move right now in this moment. See if God has any nudging or inkling. Maybe one of these characters is really connecting to where you are right now. Maybe there's a longing on your part to become, to, to move out of the situation you're in, to enter into a new phase, to become a different character in this story. Uh, maybe there's just some churning conviction or desire that God wants to speak to you. So what I'm going to invite you to do is to sit comfortably. You can put your hands down. Uh, you can close them, cross them. You're all sitting. It's great. Um, and then I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. If you feel comfortable, you can keep watching. We're just going to put this scripture passage back up on the screen. And if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, taking a minute just to breathe, all I'm going to do is read this scripture passage one more time over you. And in this reading, we're going to let your imagination stir. Where are you in this story? Where do you picture yourself? Where are you hearing this story from? And where is Jesus in relation to where you currently are. We'll go ahead and close with a prayer. This again is Mark 2, verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, 
the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The man got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. To just close this moment of prayer for you, What are you saying? What are you stirring right now here in our community? Is there a hunger for healing, Lord? There's some here in this room who have been stuck. They are paralyzed. They need to draw closer to you, Lord. Give them friends to lift them down. Lord, are there some of us here right now who need to be those friends? Lord, are there even names that come to mind, people who are hurting in our lives, people who you want us to bring closer to Jesus right now? Or Lord, are there some here who are, who are sort of outside the scene? You're lingering on the periphery and it's been hard to trust friends. Maybe even like the Pharisees, it's just been hard to trust Jesus. Lord, would your word remind us that you, Jesus, are the God who wants to heal us, who wants to bring us into a community of friends who will love us, Lord, you not only want to heal us, but you want to use us to love and to heal the city that we live in. I pray now, Lord, through the hearing of your word, you would continue to speak to us as we close out in a time of worship.